So, if you missed last week, we started a series called Custom Made, and uh, the idea was to say that God actually made us for a purpose, and the biggest purpose was that He actually loves us, that He made us to be in a relationship with Him, and by the way, that sounds, for those of you who've been in church, like, yeah, 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 no, stop and think about that. God made us because He loves us and wants to be in a relationship with us. God actually rescued us from sin, which is this thing in our hearts that turns us away from God. That, and, and, and we looked at a passage last week that makes it really clear that we can't take credit for any of that stuff. In fact, anybody who would say that we follow Jesus, like we ought to be the most humble people in the whole world because we can't take credit for anything. It's that God actually somehow loves us. And so it's uh, it's this amazing idea that we're custom made for that relationship, but we're even custom made for more than that. When we, when we come to know God and love God, we're, we read a passage last week that talked about how long ago, like long before you were even born, God not only loved you, but he had in mind things for you to do. And we used an illustration last week. I had my tool box up here, and we used the illustration that every person who follows Jesus actually uh, is a tool, that you're a tool in the hands of God. That's, it's kind of crazy to think. But that there's, uh, the truth is, is that probably millions of us, millions of people who would say we follow Jesus, also aren't sure what tool we are. We might be a hammer, we might be a screwdriver, we might be a saw, we don't actually know what we are. And so we can kind of go through life wondering how God wants to use us and we've never actually identified how we're gifted we talked about how last week that every person who follows Jesus has been gifted. You have a gift that God's spirit has given a gift to people that want to follow him to do something, not just to attend church. How boring is that? But to actually do something in the world, to be used by God as a tool in God's hand. There's nothing better than that. I mean, you'll, there's nothing that will have you find more fulfillment in your life. No amount of money, no relationships, then when you are sure that God has you exactly where he wants you and you're a tool in his hand being used, that's the purpose of this series that we're going through. For five, this is worth five weeks of our time. And so for today and the next few weeks, we're going to drill down into that concept even more. Today what I want to do is I want us to, um, I want every person in this room to leave here having a better idea of how you are uniquely gifted and what God has given to the church, to this church and the church more broadly. What God has given to the church as gifts that every single person in this room, I'm convinced, has. Okay, so here's how I want to tee this up. Um, This is going to surprise some of you who have the misfortune of hearing me sometimes and often at church here. This is going to surprise you that I actually did okay in school, okay? Um, I did. I I did okay. I got got good grades in um, math and language arts, and I did really well. Like all the electives, you know, killed those, no problem. I had one subject that just was my nemesis, chemistry. Oh my gosh, chemistry, biology, geology. I'm sorry if you ask me to identify a rock, I'll just say igneous or something. I don't know. I, is, that a, is that one of them? Um, granite. Like I, I was terrible at those three topics, especially probably chemistry and biology. So today I'm doing something that I've, I've never done before. We, Five years of ascent. I've never used an illustration from biology. I'm doing it today, okay? Here, here's what I found out. 
from my little sleuthing. It turns out that the body, your body, my body, has some systems in it that are really important for its function. Did you know this? This is really cool. Um, you've got some systems in your body that are, like, you need them. And in fact, I, I've identified six of them. Here they are, okay? You look up here, there's six systems that your body has that are really important. It, can you read this, by the way? It's kind of a long ways away, so I'm going to help you out. Here's the human organ systems. There's a skeletal system. Who knew? You have bones and, you know, those are important. Uh, there's a muscular system. So I know I've got on a pretty baggy shirt today, but mine is really well developed. If you can see it underneath the shirt. Uh, there's a digestive system. You take stuff in, it gets processed, really important, and then it goes out. That's the digestive system. Respiratory, you're getting air into your lungs. Turns out you need that to live. A nervous system that, like, you feel things, man. If your nervous system shuts down and you're cooking, that's a problem. You put your hand on the stove and you don't even know it, right? That's, that wouldn't be good. That's the nervous system. And the circulatory system, that's the blood going through your body, getting nutrients to everything. Really important. Question for you. I got six systems in my body. If one of them shuts down, what happens? I still got five. Isn't that good? If I got five of the six, isn't that, I mean, man, if I'm playing baseball and I go five for six, that's pretty good. If one of these systems shuts down, what happens? Now, okay, I know I've shot all my credibility with you uh, when it comes to science. So I actually asked somebody this week, we have an ER doc who comes to a set. He couldn't be here this morning, but I asked him to shoot a little video answering the question, what happens if one of these systems goes down? Okay, here you go. Good morning, Ascent. My name is Dan Bussey, and I work as an emergency room doc. Jim asked me to let you all know what would happen if any one of the six major organ systems in your body shut down. And the answer is, well, you'd die. Enjoy the service. There you go, there you go, okay? Just takes one. One system shuts down and you're done. By, by the way, I love Dan. You see what's on the screen behind him there on the right? You notice who that is? Oh, come on, that's Homer Simpson. You guys know that, right? He's got, he's got Homer on the screen behind him. I love that. It just takes one system and it all fails. You pull out my skeleton and I slump to the floor. You give me a lack of air and I'm done. Blood stops going through my body and it's over. One system and it all fails. What if that's true for the church? What if it's true that uh, God gave some systems, some people, kinds of people to the church, that he gifted those? And if you pulled one of them out, the church isn't going to function the way that the church was called to work. I actually believe this. I believe that God gave us different kinds of people who are called to serve in different functions. And if you pulled one of us out, it'll damage us or even drown us. Man, I, and, and here's the crazy thing. I think this is happening. I think there's some major systems of the church that have actually kind of been reduced or not thought of highly. And there are, there's people sitting in this room who are gifted by God and at some point in the line you've thought, I actually shouldn't or I don't use this 
gift because you associate that gift with other areas of your life. Maybe your work, maybe your family, maybe a hobby, maybe something else that you've got going on. You've never thought, actually, that was a gift by God to use on behalf of expanding what God is doing in the world. So here's what we're going to do. I want to um, show you a passage in a book called Ephesians. If you're new to the Bible, if he, don't, don't get scared by fancy words like Ephesians, right? <laughs> Ephesians is just the title of a letter. Uh, There's a guy named Paul who wrote a lot of the New Testament, and Paul wrote a letter to a town called Ephesus to a new church. There was a new church that was forming there. And so Paul wrote this letter, and it's, we call it Ephesians, to help encourage this new church know what the heck they were supposed to do and how to do it. In fact, a lot of people say that the book of Ephesians is the church book. It is the book that tells us as the church how we ought to function together. So it's really important. I mean, for Ascent, or for any church, this is a really important book of the Bible for us to understand because it talks all about who we ought to be together. And get this, Paul steals our analogy. Can you believe that guy? He steals our analogy comparing the church to the body. And so, um, so what I want to do is I want to take you through a little bit of Ephesians chapter 4. Last week we talked about chapter 2. Now we're going to forward up to chapter 4. And, man, I, I, had, I wanted us to look through 11 through 16, but it, um, I'm too long-winded. So we may only get to one verse. <laughs> Sorry. Here, here's the deal, though. If we only get past uh, to verse 11, I'm going to watch the clock, then... Um, your job is this week to go and read uh, Ephesians chapter 4. You can read the whole chapter, or you can read 11 through 16 because there's just key stuff in here for us, okay? All right, so here, let me start with Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Here's what it says. It says, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. First of all, let's, let's just stop for a second. Who gives the gifts? Jesus gives the gifts. These, these gifts aren't, you know, they don't just turn up. This is Jesus who has given a gift to the church, to the, the body of people who are saying they want to follow after Jesus. Jesus grants them gifts. And if, if, if Jesus is handing a gift to you, it's probably worth opening. It's probably worth at least really understanding a little bit more. And I, I want to show you now five things, and I think every person in this room is probably gifted in one of these five ways. And we're probably, a lot of us go through life not even knowing this. So Christ gave to the church these gifts, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. Um, can I show you how to remember this? A pest. That's how you remember this. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds or pastors, and teachers. What, what I want to do here for a second is I want to actually walk through each one of these. Please do this. While we're going... Have your ears wide open as to which one of these you might be, or maybe you're many of these. But which one are, are you of these, and what might God be kind of stirring in you to say, I need to use that gift? 
Here, here's the other thing. If you're here and you're actually, you're like, man, these words seem funny. I'm not a Christian. Somebody just invited me to church for the first time. I'll make you a deal. I think actually these five things are true to the health of anything. You, you pull one of these five things out of any, your business. Every business needs these five things. Just watch. I just think it's how God has set things up and certainly has set up the church. So let's start with apostles. Man, you heard that word before? You, you think sometimes, when you come to that word apostles, I think sometimes maybe some of us have heard that and we think, oh, okay, I've heard of the apostle Paul. And I've heard people in the Bible that are referred to as apostles. But... I, you know, it just seems like a fancy kind of Bible word. There are apostles sitting in this room right now, many of whom I don't think actually maybe us, we don't know what that means. An apostle is somebody who, the, the, the word literally means in Greek, it means to be sent. You're a sent one. Where, where it came out of was the idea that a king or somebody real important would send an envoy, send somebody kind of in their place that they would go and they would make some kind of deal somewhere. But the apostle would have full authority from the person who sent them to cut deals, do whatever. They're a representative of the one who sent them. That's, that's what an apostle is. But apostle even does more than that. This is the part I love. An apostle goes somewhere and starts something. An apostle is a starter. If you're sitting in this room and you feel like, I have never been in my life able to maintain a complex system. Main, you're not a maintainer. That's me, not a maintainer. If you're not a maintainer, chances are you might be a starter. You might be something that gets new things going. You're an entrepreneur. You're a creative. You, you start a business or whatever. But have you ever thought, here's the thing, so many people are this, but they have never thought to translate this gift into the church. And these are people that start ministries. These are people that start uh, churches. These are people that look at their neighborhoods and they think, man, how could I bless these people in some new and creative way? That is a gift of apostleship. You, I guarantee you that in Boulder, Colorado, where, you know, there are so many people in this room who have this but maybe have never thought this is a gift that is valued and important in the life of the church. So a little hint on this is three of these, three of these gifts are gifts that I don't think the church actually is using very well. I think two of these gifts, I'll show you which, are ones that the church is using, but maybe is thinking about incorrectly. And we need to, we need to dive into this. If you are gifted as an apostle, a starter, I don't have the answers to tell you exactly what that means, but I do want to say, man, if you do it, recognize it and realize that it shouldn't just be used in your place of work. I can guarantee you God has something that he wants to do with that gift of yours. That's what an apostle is, okay? Prophet. Prophet's an interesting one. Stop and think for a second about what your image is of the word prophet. When you, when you think of a prophet, what do you think of, like, Nostradamus? Some, you know, some, somebody who tells you when the asteroid's going to hit the earth and it's all going to end. Uh, you, generally, we think of prophets as being future tellers. 
The, the truth is in the Bible, a prophet, whenever you hear this word prophet, and it's, and it's referred to in the terms of the Bible, a prophet is someone who speaks on behalf of God. A prophet is a truth teller. A prophet is somebody who says something that you don't want to hear. A prophet will get in your grill. We hate prophets generally, don't we? Even, even Jesus says, man, yeah, prophets go to die. This is, this is what happens to them. Because they tell the truth that stirs people's anger. This, this is the hardest gift to have. For, for those of you who maybe have this gift, you've, you've probably at some time uh, of your life been told to be quiet and have tried to shut you down. And maybe some of you have. But the truth is the church... And honestly, again, any organization has got to have prophets. It's got to have people who are willing to tell the truth, even if it's unpopular and hurts. Man, I, um, I experienced this. We have some prophets in this church. Um, I a few months ago, some of you guys will remember, we did a series right after Christmas. And I was so pumped about it. Um, we did this series called Finding Your Way Back. And I think I did three of the four talks, but I was so excited because it was like, oh, we're going to do this series after Christmas. Lots of people come on Christmas Eve who, let's say, maybe haven't gone to church for a long time and feel disconnected from God, feel like there's no way that, you know, that they could reconnect with God. And so we said, let's do a series after Christmas called Finding Your Way Back. And we had huge amount of people come that month uh, for that series. And I remember I did the last uh, talk in the series <laughs> last uh, day of January, and I was so I was pumped about it. You know, like we ended the talk, we were talking about the parable of the prodigal son, the you know lost son who runs away and comes back. And um, we finished the talk, and you guys got to know, a lot of times I'll give these talks, and I'm like, I end, and I'm like, I have no idea if what I said made sense to anybody. Um, but this one I actually felt good about. So I, I'm like, finish the talk, I head out there, I see a friend out uh, near the cafe in the back office, and she says, hey, I want to talk to you for a second. I said, okay. And uh, she says to me, hey, I, I didn't um, totally gel with that talk. And I said, oh, okay, tell me what. And she said, um, you know, you're talking about finding your way back to God, and you forgot to tell people about the cross. And I went, Oh, she goes, yeah, like if, you, if people are going to find their way back to God, don't they have to understand that Jesus died for them and that the way we find our way back is uh, that Jesus removes our sin, he rescues us from our sin because of the cross. You know how I responded to that? I was kind of mad. Like it kind of like got in my face a little bit of like, ah. Oh. And I, I remember going home feeling a little like not good about it. And especially kind of coming off the high of doing what I thought was good and then hearing that. And I went home and it took me about 24 hours to realize she was right. She was right. I needed to hear that. It wasn't my intention to skip that out, but I did. Guys, the, ch the church needs that. The church needs people that are willing to tell the truth. This is a hard gift to have though because prophets generally aren't popular. But we've got to have that gift in this room. If we're going to move forward as a church, all the things God has for us, prophets are huge. Now, 
Those of you who have a prophetic gift, hear me on this. You're not always right. Okay? <laughs> it's really important to know. You actually aren't always right. Um, I, I had a, gosh, this was years ago. I had just graduated from college. I was 21, and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next, and I had applied for this internship in Seattle uh, at a church there working with college students, and uh, the guy who was leading it was somebody I really respect, still do, uh, Mike Gaffney. A bunch of people probably in this room know Mike Gaffney. So Mike, Mike led a college ministry here for a while, was a mentor of mine, is now the national director of College Young Life. Amazing, amazing guy. So uh, I applied for this job, and Mike calls me and says, hey, you got it. You got the job. And he starts to tell me when I start and when I should fly up. And I stopped him and I said, Mike, uh, it's going to surprise you maybe because I didn't really tell you this during the interview process, but I wasn't sure that I actually wanted the job from the very beginning. And right now I'm thinking that maybe I don't want it. And so I think that I don't want to fly up there. And I think that I just started mumbling for like three minutes. I'm like, mumble, mumble, mumble. And Mike finally stops me and just goes, just stop. He goes, you don't know what you're talking about. He goes, listen, Jim, you don't think that if you moved up here to Seattle and was a part of this ministry that you wouldn't grow in this way, this way, this way? He goes, and I was like, yeah, Mike, I don't know. I kept going on my mumble, mumble mode. Finally, he goes, and this is Mike, what Mike said to me. He goes, you don't have your crap together, man. He, he, he goes, I'm done with you right now. I'm going to call you back tomorrow, and you're going to give me another answer. And he hangs up the phone. Okay. Those of you who know who Mike is, you know. Man, I was intimidated. Still am a little bit. Yeah. Um, he, so I call, I, but do you know what happened to me that night? I sit in my bed and I'm like going, oh my gosh, maybe I don't have my crap together. What, what, what do I need to do here? You know what I ended up doing? I just pray. I was like, God, did I get it wrong? Did I miss something? What am I thinking? I, I mean, I hardly slept that night because A, I was like talking to God about it and B, I was so afraid that I had to call Mike the next day. And so I woke up the next morning and I went, I'm not supposed to go. I'm not supposed to go up there. And I had figured out why. And so I called Mike and I get on the phone with him. Mike, hey man, hey Jim, what's your answer? I go, I'm not supposed to go. I'm not supposed to go up there, and I'll tell you why. The bottom line is my heart is not into it. I can't, I, my brain's into it. My heart is not into it. And I don't think I should go because I don't think you would actually uh, benefit from having somebody whose heart's not there. You know what he said? Good. Good, Jim. He goes, and he says something I'll never forget. Prophets aren't always right, but prophets will make you pray. Man, I love that. Prophets aren't right all the time. Maybe 50%, I don't know. But prophets will make you pray to the point where you go, okay, God. Man, we got to have people in this church that will speak up with new ideas that say, hey, this is what we got to have. This is the direction that we should be moving. You may not always be right, but you're going to make us pray as a team. That's the, that's the function. It's a hard role to have. Apostles, prophets, evangelists. 
Anybody in this room have a good connotation of the word evangelist? Yeah, I don't see any hands up. <laughs> it's a word we don't like. You know, there's a general, especially in our area, there's a bad connotation of the word evangelist, evangelism. Evangelical has its own whole world of meaning. When, when we think about this word, a lot of us are gifted in this way, but we, we don't want to be gifted in this way. In fact, you know, there's a guy um, named George Barna who's a church researcher. He does all kinds of little polls and that kind of stuff, sends out statistics all the time. <laughs> One thing I saw that he, he found out, I thought was fascinating. He was polling people, Christians, who would say 2%, 2 or 3% of Christians would say, I'm an evangelist, that I have the gift of evangelism. 2%. One out of 50. Okay, let me ask you this. Do you think that God only gifted 2% of the people that follow him with this? No way. The problem is, is how we see it. So, so let me ask you this question. Is anybody in this room good at persuading somebody at something? I'm telling you right now, you give me five minutes, I will have every single one of you fly fishing. <laughs> you, you will be a fly fisher. You give me five minutes to describe to you how awesome fly fishing is. Here, here's the beauty of it. I don't have to make fun of anything else. I don't have to put down any other sport. I have so much enthusiasm in me about fly fishing that I can convince you just based on that. Man, so many of us in this room have an enthusiasm and a love for Jesus in the same way that it can spill over into persuasion that makes people go, man, yeah. You know, you know another way? Another way that this church has successfully done this is through your generosity. The way that you guys have been generous with stuff like our toy drive with the police department or ways that we have groups come into this building like the school district and use it for free or whatever, nonprofits, the city. Do you, do you realize that the generosity that you have shown in those, the, the food drives that we do, holy cow, stuff you guys bring, the way you've volunteered in the community. Do you realize when you're generous, it shifts people's perception of what a Christian is? I think the biggest thing that we can do in this community, probably a community that has maybe one of the most negative perceptions of the church, Christians, that is out there, is to surprise people with your generosity. And when you surprise people with generosity, they tend to ask the question, why? Why do they do that? This church has done a great job with that. But, but, but here's what I wanna ask. I wanna ask you as you think about yourself in the light of your gifts, are you a persuader? Man, have you ever thought that every one of us is actually called to, in our own way, help shift the perception that other people have of Christians, of the church, and ultimately that they would come to want to know Jesus. Amazing. What, a, what an incredible opportunity we've got to realize this gift in this room. Uh, last two. This one uh, is a shepherd or a pastor. Uh, a shepherd is somebody that has 
an amazing caretaker ability. A shepherd is somebody that cares for other people, cares for what they need, cares for people in community. You know, they, they don't just see uh, caring for people in the light of just caring for them themselves, but they see the importance of how every person needs to be connected to other people. That's, that's what a shepherd does, right? That's, that's where um, the idea of a pastor comes from. Pastors are caretakers. Um, here, here, can I just tell you a side note? What my problem is, is that my title says pastor, but I'm actually, that's not my best. I hate, I mean, it's embarrassing to tell you that, but it's not. My, my, I'm probably more over here. It's probably more what I'm good at than this. Whereas like Bill, my co-pastor Bill, he's phenomenal at that. Like when it comes to, you know, he, he knows that somebody's having a baby in the hospital or somebody's sick. Like he's the first one that's out the door on his way. And I just feel guilty because it's not my, I don't react that strongly there. And I think that that's the thing, you guys. Sometimes we, we feel funny about the way that God has gifted us. And we need to look at this and understand that God gives different gifts and the body will not function properly. Our church would not function properly if Bill and I had the exact same gift. We've got different gifts. Man, thank God. We've got to live into those. We got to live into those, all of us, okay? Last one is teacher. Teacher is just somebody that can take a complex topic and translate it. Man, are you somebody that can take the idea about who God is, the incredible things that God is doing in the world, and you can take that complex topic and translate it for somebody who doesn't understand? And if you got that gift, we need you. We need you. That's A-P-E-S-T. I think these are the five functions of the church that have got to be present. And just like the body system, if you were to take any one out of these, we're not going to do well. We're going to fail. I, I think the church actually, and, and I don't just mean ascent, I think the church more broadly, the church has focused on these two. These are the people that we actually hire. We hire pastors, shepherds, and teachers. But we sometimes lose the apostles, the prophets, and the persuaders. Man, as if you've got these gifts, any of these gifts, but if you've got these gifts, just know they are valued here, and we have big things in store for this church in the future where we are going to need every single person's gifts in this room, okay? So what, what I want to do is this. I'm going to give you a last thought here in a second, but I want you to pray and think about this. My, my ask for the week, my ask for the week is that you go in and read Ephesians 4, read the rest of it, so I'm out of time. Read the rest of Ephesians 4, but I would also ask you, which, which one or ones of these are you? And don't just think of them in the terms of work or whatever. What is God doing in you that you could use this gift in the world? How is God going to use this to expand his kingdom? Okay, that's, that's the ask for the week. All right, last thing. I don't want you just leaving thinking about yourself. Sometimes people call this J-Pest. Can I tell you why? 
it's because these gifts are from Jesus. That every one of these gifts comes from Jesus. The passage that we read says it, right? These gifts flow out of Jesus. Here's why I love this guy. Here's why I love Jesus. Like me, I might be like 0.02% of this one. Okay, I got a eh, little mini, mini ability here. Jesus, the guy is 100% on all five. Think about him. Apostle, the one sent, he defines it. That God would leave heaven, come to earth as a person. That is the ultimate of the sent one. He defines what it means to be an apostle. That, Jesus, wow, 100% on that one. Prophet, you ever seen some of the stuff that guy said? Ouch! Man, Jesus was the ultimate. I mean, he would get up in your grill to the point where some people killed him. What a prophet. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus defines what it means to be a prophet, but he did it in love. That's the amazing thing about the guy. He didn't, he didn't do it to harm. He did it always with the idea of I love you. Prophet, evangelist, the mind that came up with the story of the parable of the lost son. The person that would sit with the furthest out from the church. The guy who was sitting and eating meals with prostitutes and, and guys that were cheating people out of their money. The people that no one else would hang out with, that's who Jesus is spending time with. In a day and age when only Jews were considered kind of the religious ones, and Jesus completely busted that apart and invited everybody in. Amazing. Evangelist? Yeah. Shepherd? The way he loved people, the way he loved his closest followers, but the way that he would heal somebody that was, he didn't even know? Guy, guy had the biggest pastor's heart. You'll read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You'll be blown away by his heart. Teacher? Has anybody ever taught better than Jesus Christ? I mean, this morning all over the globe, right, there's people who are quoting him more than... <laughs> That's not happening with anybody else uh, to the degree. I, it's, it's unbelievable the teaching power that Jesus Christ had, man. All this stuff flows from the heart of Jesus, and you have been gifted with one or some of these, and it's our job as a church to figure out how do we activate that. So, God, we want to uh, give you this. We pray that you would speak to each one of us individually and you'd speak to us as a church to really consider how you're going to work uh, through this place, especially, God, as we get toward this fall and all that's going to be going on. We, we pray that you would uh, move us to a place that every person in this room senses that God has gifted them, God has gifted us, and has prepared us for some great things. Um, Lord, thank you for this group in this room. I just I love this church. I love these people. And I pray, God, that we would be all that you have called us to be. Man, that'd be incredible. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to I wanna leave this right here for a second. I'd love it if you just, um, just look at this. And as Jonah is going to sing a song, a song about following, uh, I, just listen to the song. Make this time a prayer to ask God if there's anything that's been said or done this morning that might God might be saying something. Let's, let's spend the next few minutes listening, okay? Here we go.